planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Looking to jumpstart your career? Start with the city of Norfolk, Virginia. You'll earn competitive pay, outstanding benefits, and a $5,000 sign-on bonus. Start your new career today at norfolk.gov slash coastalvajobs. Restrictions apply. Get ready, sports fans, because the Rao Report starts right now. everyone, and welcome to Round Report. I'm your host, Christian Rao. We have another exciting episode for you for our 30-team preview here at MLB Season Start of 2022. I'm here with Sean Doyle. He is the founder of Jays from the Couch. You can find them at Jays from Couch on Twitter, and you can find Sean at Doyle, JFTC. Hey, Sean, what's going on, man? Hey, Christian. Thanks for having me back on. It's been a while. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited. And I'm glad you reached out. Glad to finally talk some baseball. We're, it feels like we're getting back into it uh, soon. Probably not as soon as we'd like. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm always glad to have you back. You were the starting the start off of I guess you could put yourself in the leadoff position of when I brought my podcast back last year. I'm just glad to have you back again. Glad to talk Toronto Blue Jays and what a fun season they had last year. And I can't wait to talk about it with you here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we have to bring up what's going on right now. The MLB lockout. Uh, We were just talking a little bit off air of how it just feels so weird, you know, as content creators to figure out what to, to discuss and, you know, have the peaks and valleys of what's going on. And this all because of this lockout. How are you feeling about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it was uh, at the beginning, it felt like it was kind of pointless. Um, you know, just a, a bit of a power move by the the owners to, you know, show they mean business to lock players out on December 1st and then not even meet for forever after that. Um, and so, you know, I, I was kind of, it kind of started off sour to the whole thing. Um, and then, of course, I think what's really killing me is the following on Twitter, trying to wait for some news um, that it's going to end. And then you just hear the, well, this guy walked to this side of the the, the stadium or wherever they're, they're being um, held up or whatever. And it, it's kind of, you know, I, 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 I'm frustrated because at the end of the day, we're talking about a game, uh, a game that kids grow up playing, they grow up falling in love with and, and, watching and participating in and all of that stuff and those are the people who are who are really missing out um you know and as far as you know some people are taking sides and stuff like that i've always been pro uh player uh but at the end of the day i'm kind of getting to the point where i'm just like i don't care who has to give up what but bring baseball back because um we, we need it you talk about the kids, and I feel like that is one of the biggest things that's going to be an impact due to this lockout. You know, once baseball finally starts again, 
we're baseball's having such a hard time year after year competing with these other sports to try and attract the younger crowd. This can't help it whatsoever. How did they get to attract the younger crowd? Does anything in this lockout help? I know that there's some agreements maybe about some expanded bases, putting a pitch clock to expand pace of play. What do you feel about those aspects? Because I know this is really important to get the younger crowd into love and baseball. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I've been on, on the Jays from the Couch podcast. I've been pretty critical of Major League Baseball for implementing these little changes um, because what, what it does at the end of the day is it, it tells fans and potential fans that your product, your, um, your game is boring. You know, it sends the wrong message, I think. Um, and I can tell you, honestly, if we're talking about, you know, you can blame it on whomever, you know, Rob Manfred, uh, commissioner of baseball, will blame it on the younger generation, the, the millennials sort of, you know, the, these new people that they're trying to reach and say that their attention span is short and all of this stuff. But I, I can honestly cannot recall a single person who ever complained that the bases in Major League Baseball were too small. Um, that to me, things like that, starting a runner on second in extra innings, um, it, little things like that are slowly chipping away. But more to the to the point of your question, I think it sends the wrong message. Uh, Major League Baseball doesn't have uh, a problem with their their product because their product is the game that people have fallen in love with for over a hundred years. Um, it's a it's a game that um, people bond over, people connect with, people. It, it brings people together. I mean, you don't get a what other sport is called a country's pastime. You know, like these things, baseball is so ingrained in a lot of people. So you don't need to sell the product um, by making all of these changes. For example, I'll give you another example, like changing the baseball. The baseball itself is not going to make the game more enjoyable for somebody who is kind of on the fence. Do I really want to you know, invest in baseball? kind of thing what it does do though is it injures pitchers um and things like that Pitch clock makes them work faster all of those things sent the wrong message and they actually tinker with a product that doesn't need to be fixed what the, the real issue in my opinion uh, is that major league baseball has a marketing problem they need to figure out how to market their sport how to market their game and i gotta tell you like blocking out games in certain areas um, is not is not how you do it. You know they're they're more concerned with their television contracts than they are um, about marketing somebody like Mike Trout. You have a once in a lifetime talent in somebody like Mike Trout, and his his years are being wasted in Los Angeles by the organization, which is another story. But how does Major League Baseball not market? its players, its stars, the way other sports do. I think that's the the bigger issue uh, in my mind. And I know that was a long-winded answer there for you, Christian, but um, I get really worked up when I hear that baseball is not attractive and it, it it's boring, uh, it's too long, it's too slow, it's all of this stuff um, because it, it it's a beautiful, beautiful game and tinkering with it only sends the wrong message. I'm completely with you when it comes to that. The, the blackout it just doesn't make any sense if you want to grow the game. Uh, I don't believe in a lot of things that some of the players like you know Trevor Bauer talk about, but a couple of years ago he had that rant that talked about expanding media 
and in that case, he he made a lot of sense calling Manfred out. There's a lot of issues with marketing and developing content, pushing it out. Blackouts is just one. And it looks like that's only going to get worse. They just seemed like they just signed a deal with having exclusive games only on Apple uh, Apple TV+. Plus. So that's just making more exclusive, moving it out of the way. It's just all these owners are looking for is just to grab the dollar instead of trying to expand the game and make it a long-term, more successful league, something that has been struggling in third, fourth, fifth place to other American sports for decades now, for decades. And this lockout's not going to help. No, and I 100% agree. In fact, you know, the last time there was a, a decline in ticket sales and, and, and all of that, um, they had a, a um, steroid-induced home run derby chase going on that served to kind of capture the audiences again. Um, I remember, you know, turning on the TV because Mark McGuire was at, was at the plate. I, you know, and I wasn't watching Cardinals games for sure, but you know, that when he hit his home run and ran around the bases and hugged his son at the end, like that's the stuff right there. That's the game of baseball that will grab people and major league baseball would rather cut out that stuff. Um, And it just makes no sense to me. This Apple agreement, I don't understand how you can grow your sport by limiting the access that people have to it. And I guess that's, you know, that's, (laughs) that's really at the end of the day, my issue. Yeah, when it comes down to it, it's just, I think, just the bottom dollar that they just want. And it's just crushing the game. It's really hurting it. But Agreed. let's put this let's let's put this beside us and, and and move on. And let's talk about something a little more exciting, a little more to be, you know, excited and, ante- and anticipated about. And that is your Toronto Blue Jays. How fun is this team? Last season, they had. Uh, one crazy season, 91 and 71, just missed the playoffs, but it was a fun team. This core is so impressive to watch. The pitching is impressive. The pitching's only going to get better as we talk about what, what we're looking at for 2022. And I don't think they're done yet. I want to hear what you think about when we get to that topic. But what was your thoughts about last season's Toronto team? They had been fun to cover. They were a lot of fun. They were, and, and not just cover, you know, for, for writing at Jays from the Couch or anything like that, but just to watch. Um, I think for years, uh, leading up to 2015, the, the Blue Jays had a problem because they weren't a fun team to watch. Um, you know, can, a mediocre team can only be so fun. Um, but now this team here that they have um, last year, the youth the the energy that that youth brings um you know the fun that they have in the in the dugout all the way you know down to like a a home run jacket with um you know representing all of the players on the team that they would put on after they hit a home run little things like that dancing and and hugging like this was a team is a team that enjoy being on the field and they enjoy doing um what it is they're paid to do and that that by itself is a lot of fun, uh, you know, for viewers or, or for for content writers. But then when you when you look at the numbers they were putting up and and they were winning games and all of that stuff, it just it, it's so good. And what's I think what's at the back of everybody's mind, you know, kind of adds to that enjoyment is that they're just getting started. This team 
it, you're right. They're just going to start because this team is exciting. When you hear names like Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and, you know, guys like that, they're still so young and they are not going anywhere. And then they add these really impressive arms this offseason so far to their rotation. Kevin Gosman, Jose Barrios. Uh, and then you have guys still like Ray is still there. And then Alec Manoa, he was so fun to watch last year. That guy is going to be a blast. I am really excited. So I, so disclaimer, I really love AL East baseball. Who can, who can blame me, right? But Alec <laughs> Manoa, he was so fun to watch last year. And he's going to be, what, fourth in your rotation? It's th- this team looks really fun to watch. Really, the only difference or the only difference maker so far that's left is Marcus Simeon. What's your thoughts about this this team right now, moving forward? Yeah, where they are right now, they're a playoff team um, because what they did uh, last year was they addressed their bullpen, uh, and the bullpen uh, was probably, if you could pinpoint a single reason why they missed the postseason. Last year was because of the bullpen in uh, in and around May. Um, you know they they just got tired and hurt and whatever. Um, but they addressed that. So when you look at the Blue Jays right now on paper, um, and I know we're going to talk about whether or not they're done, but as of right now. They're a playoff team. They've got one of the better offenses in baseball. They have a pitching staff. Um, Kevin Gausman. Um, they couldn't bring back Robbie Ray. So they went with uh, Kevin Gaussman, who arguably may not win a Cy Young, but he's pretty darn good. Um, And then, of course, as you mentioned, Alec Manoa, he is going to be a beast. Um, The the demeanor with which he approaches every start is, again, just one of those fascinating kind of fun things to watch. Um, But when you look at them, they're going to score a lot of runs. their defense has improved. It improved uh, toward the end of the season. Um, sure, there's still work there to be done. Um, but then their pitching staff, they have a, a nice starting rotation um, where the fifth starter is really the only question mark. Um, and then their bullpen has enough solid pieces. Like they kind of have a, a core bullpen group. So when you look at them, there there are question marks. Sure. There are spots where they can get better. Sure. But this is a playoff team going into uh, before the season even starts. And that in and of itself is is huge. It's exciting. Um, and there there are going to be a lot of expectations on this Blue Jays team, especially if they go ahead and do follow through on the what everybody thinks and, and continue to add a couple more pieces before the season starts. They seem like they have a lot of good problems to have. And one of them is something that I know plenty of teams would love to have this problem. They have an abundance of really good catchers with Kirk, Jansen, McGuire. Do you see them being able to hold three catchers all season or you see one of them maybe on the on the, you know, heading out to a different team? Yeah, I mean, just even if you were to look at any team having three catchers is kind of a bit much for a big league roster. Um, you probably need that versatility for an infielder or an outfielder uh, or even an extra bullpen arm. But, um, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they're, they're not running three for the season. Um, they have Danny Jansen and by all accounts, Danny Jansen has earned the starting Every day, catching job, the number one guy. Um, his work with the pitching staff is um, is something that you ask anybody, and it's huge. Um, so he's not going anywhere. If he could develop some consistency with his bat, um, I think that would only help him. Um, but he's there to handle the pitching staff first. Um, then you have Reese McGuire, who 
I think, you know, kind of looks like a, a traditional backup catcher. Um, you know, so ideally, I think what you would see is uh, those two. And then Alejandro Kirk is kind of like on the outside looking in only because uh, I think he has the most value of the three. Um, and you, you're going to have to trade one of them. So it looks like he has the most value. A lot of people are very high on Alejandro Kirk, and they should be. He's a good bat-to-ball catcher. Um, so I think a lot of teams would be interested in him uh, as a return for you know maybe a third baseman or, or whatever have you. So I think that's how you're, you're going to see it play out. Uh, um, but you never know until, until it actually happens. And then, of course, the other issue that um, everybody talks about is the Gabriel Moreno, who is knocking on the door of the Major League. Uh, roster right so you know you've got four catchers really um that toronto is going to have to figure out how they're going to work all four of those guys in by the end of the season um but at the end of the day i think it's kirk who by the end of the season will be playing elsewhere uh and then maybe Mourinho stays in triple a for a bit longer um, and then comes up if there's an injury or whatever have you uh but yeah you're absolutely right having um a lot of catchers uh, that close to big league ready is an excellent problem to have for for the Blue Jays. Mourinho is considered the top prospect for the Blue Jays in a lot of media outlets. I agree. He's one of them as well. This this team is just so fun to watch. You know, like I said, a lot of good problems to have. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's exactly what you need when you're battling in the AL East. We just talked about it in 2021. They were a 91 win team and did not make the playoffs. They finished fourth in the AL East with 91 wins. I don't see the the expectation of this division is probably going to stay the same, you know, maybe with a, one team maybe slipping up, maybe one team getting a little better. My odds are with the Blue Jays getting a little better with what happened with that rotation. What are your thoughts on how they look focusing on their division? Yeah, uh, it's fascinating. Um, it is literally the, the most competitive division in all of baseball, even though the Baltimore Orioles are still in that division. Um, but as far as like, you have the Yankees who, for some reason, everybody counts them in every year. Uh, I personally don't see it. I don't see how the Yankees, um, unless they, they haven't really done anything, uh, before the lockout. So unless they have a massive, flurry of activity after the lockout. Um, I don't see how they can, they can be certainly win the division. I don't see that happening. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays are an interesting um, case because they can get so much talent out of uh, whatever uh, players they put on the field. They, they, they have this knack for identifying talent and getting the most out of it. So yes, they are going to challenge Toronto. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, if their um, if their injury history with their pitching staff uh, impacts them again. Um, that's one thing I'll be watching for. Uh, but if you had to ask me, I would probably say that as of right now, the Blue Jays would win the division. Um, New York and Boston, or New York and uh, Tampa Bay, probably fighting it out for a wild card spot, and then Boston somewhere in the mix, but um, in fourth place in the division. Um, 
and and I and I you know I know how that sounds <laughs> given that uh, clearly I'm biased, um, but I also know that Toronto's not done, right? So they're going to get even better than they are right now, and they look pretty good right now. Yeah, they look really good right now on paper, and they've but they've been really fun to watch last year. You know, as a squad, we saw the potential, and then we saw what Gosman did. You know, and he's I've I've been really happy with with Gosman. I you know watching. The, the Baltimore Orioles, where I'm located, I'm really close to their AAA team, so I follow the Orioles more than other teams. And watching him go to a different place, revive his career, you know, and then move on, get a get his payday he finally deserved. I'm glad to see that. Jose Barrios, wow, I mean that guy's just always he just deserved the payday, so I'm glad Toronto gave it to him. This this rotation is so fun, but I'm not sure if they're done yet. We've talked about all these great positions. Is there anything that is still, I don't want to even use the word lacking, but maybe still a weakness or something that could be improved that maybe a free agency pickup uh, is is nearby once the lockout's over or a trade? One of those catchers have to go. What are they going to look for? Yeah, I think the, I think the, the big, I guess, assumption is that they're looking for uh, another infielder. Uh, they were in on Corey Seager. To what extent we don't know. He, I, I can, <laughs> I can tell you the Blue Jays were not in on Corey Seager to the tune of three hundred million dollars. Um, you know they were in to you know if if it cost X number of dollars, then they would you know consider it. But once it went past that, they they would have moved on. Um, but the fact that they were in on Corey Seager says they are looking for an impact infielder, um, which if you look around the infield. Uh, it's not going to be first base, you know, not with Vlad Jr. there. It's not going to be shortstop. It's going to be third base where Santiago Espinal did an admirable job last year um, taking over for Kevin Biggio, who was just playing out of position and, and playing hurt. Um, so I think right off the bat, I would say they're looking for an impact third baseman. Um, you know, Chris Bryant is available as a free agent. Uh, a lot of people would love to see Jose Ramirez from Cleveland. Um my one of my personal choices, only because I don't think Jose Ramirez is is a realistic option, uh, is Matt Chapman from the Oakland Athletics, uh, one of the better defenders, probably second best defender at third base in all of baseball, behind Nolan Arenado, um, and a, and a good offensive bat as well. Um, so I think he's he could be a realistic trade target. Um, and I think they also need to look at their their fifth starter spot. Uh, Ross Stripling is fine. Um, he battled some inconsistency last year. So if you know if you're the Blue Jays and you're serious about making the postseason, uh, maybe you you're not so comfortable with Ross Stripling as your fifth starter. Um, and then of course I think they need one or more one or two more uh, bullpen pieces. Um, just to because injuries happen and they know what happens when injuries happen you miss the playoffs by a game because you don't address um injuries early on um so those are the three things i wouldn't be surprised to see them pick up another outfielder um you know randall grichuk is probably somewhere on the bubble we know that before the lockout uh in the past there was a deal almost in place for randall grichuk to go to milwaukee for um Jackie Bradley Jr., kind of a, a swap of contracts, so to speak. Uh, uh, so there is willingness to move Griffith. Uh, so I, I think, you know, 
he could be on the trade block. Um, I'm not sure that they're necessarily, I don't want to say they're unhappy, but I don't know that they are content with the the outfield that they have in place now. Um, so, you know, those are the things that I think an outfield would be kind of a nice thing to have. Uh, but as far as what they have to do, I would say they need to address third base and their uh, fifth starter spot. Those are the kind of priorities in my mind. Um, and whether that comes through free agency or trade remains to be seen. Uh, I think you probably, third base, you probably see a trade and then pitching, you probably see um, a free agent signing because teams are less, <laughs> they're rather reluctant to trade young, talented pitching. So it may be just more um, economical to go the free agency route uh, in that regard. They have a lot of assets to move if they do want to make a trade to make something happen. When you look at this depth chart uh, for players that, and it's just based off your conversation as well, adding to the punch, it, it makes a lot of sense. I would love to see Chapman on these Blue Jays. I'm sure you would too. And I'm sure the Toronto could put a really nice package together to entice them because it sounds like Oakland's about to blow it up. So um, that would be really interesting. We talk about all these new starting pitchers, Sean. Who do you think is going to get the nod for an opening day start this year? Oh, man. It's an interesting, you know, maybe the lockout has me like I hadn't even thought of opening day starter. <laughs> um, but I think if you're looking at, um, I think it has to come down to Barrios or Ryu, uh, Hyunjin Ryu. I, I would argue that if it were my decision, I would probably give the ball to Barrios. Um, but Alec Manoa would be an interesting choice uh, simply because he's young, he's exciting, it's opening day, you know, that kind of energy. Uh, but I don't think you'll see that happen. Um, in all honesty, I don't know that uh, opening day who starts the first game of the season really um, is going to be something that they spend a lot of time thinking about. I think, though, they would rather spend the time looking at the whole series and how everybody matches up. Um, but, you know, I, I think if I had to choose, it would be Jose Barrios for sure. Nice. I like that. I, I always like to hear just random questions like that. And real quick, rapid fire before I let you go. We talked about the lockout. So let me ask you two more questions real quick before you go. Pro or con, are you pass or, you know, you hit or pass on banning the shift? Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I think, you know, players and, and managers and the people who play the game, they figured out a way to play it better or to give themselves an advantage in a way that's not cheating. It's not, you know, pumping drugs into your system. Um, I think, you know, just let them play. If they want to do that, let them play. What I think will, is interesting is that players in any sport always find a way to play the game. So if you ban a shift, cool. They'll just figure something else out. And last one, I know it doesn't really entice too much because you follow an American League team, but the Universal DH, how do you feel about that? In all honesty, I think I'm a fan. Um, I, I was back and forth on this, uh, but I think I, I think I I think it's a good idea because you've got players who could extend their careers by a little bit. Um, I know if I were a fan of a National League team and I spent thirty million dollars on a pitcher that winter, I would not want them to step in the box 
because you never know what happens. You know, we've seen people have shattered uh, elbows, fingers, arms. You know what I mean? It's just, in my opinion, it wouldn't be worth it if I'm spending that much money on a on a pitcher. So uh, I'm a fan of the the DH. It, it, I do like the the kind of chess strategy thing that goes into the double switch and and all of that stuff. I think the the, the National League game, quote unquote, National League game, is more of a thinking game. Um, so I do enjoy that aspect, but I think kind of when you weigh it in the balance, I think it's it's worth it to just bring in the DH for both leagues. Sean Doyle, everyone, founder of Jays from the Couch. Thanks so much for joining me today on this episode. Please let everyone know where they can find you, what they got, what you got going on, and uh, please shout out your website for sure. For sure. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, jaysfromthecoach.com. We've got all kinds of great content there from looks around the major leagues to minor league coverage, um, statistical analysis. We've got it all there at Jays from the Couch. Um, our, we do our podcast live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We stream live on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Um, and then, of course, the audio version can be found anywhere. And then we also have two... Um, two unique shows on our YouTube channel on Tuesdays uh, at 6 p.m. We're going every second Tuesday, so it's not this evening, but the On Feck Circle, hosted by Steve Feck. He has his own, uh, he's an American, um, not that we hold that against him, of course, but um, he uh, he has kind of an interesting way of looking at the Blue Jays, and he brings a historical approach. He brings a, an outside-the-box thinking approach. It's a lot of fun to catch his show. And then Thursdays, 6 p.m. Eastern time, we have Karen Suter, host Sunny Side of the Dome. And again, a unique perspective. Karen covers the Blue Jays like nobody else. She mixes in positivity with realism, and it's it makes for good, good uh, Blue Jays watching. So those are both on our YouTube channel. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at DoyleJFTC, the website at Jays from Couch, and we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, we're everywhere. Um, shouldn't be too hard to find us. Well, hopefully you can get that locked out uh, MLB player uh, avatar removed from your account soon, meaning that the lockout would be over. Um, so I, I'm hoping and praying to see that happen soon for you, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me on this <laughs> podcast. And again, that's Jays from the Couch dot com check them out that's going to wrap it up for us here at the route report thank you so much for joining us we're going to be back here next time with another episode as we continue on our 30 team preview but until then we'll see you back here next time take care thanks for listening tune in weekdays for more of the route reports traveling this summer make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from harris teeter it's easy download your evic coupon and for every dollar you spend with your vic card you'll get two fuel points that's up to one dollar per gallon on quality fuel at participating bp and harris teeter fuel centers 
Download your EVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with EVIC and Harris Teeter Fuel Points. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got 